Listeners everywhere, welcome to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan, the weekly fix for your screen addiction and a trusted source for discussion of all things film and television. Please keep in mind that for the purposes of this podcast, Joel and Ryan are not acting as journalists, but rather fellow moving picture enthusiasts. All of their opinions should be taken as such. Also, please be warned that while Joel and Ryan may seem like petulant children, they are, in fact, adults who may occasionally use adult language. While they promise to keep out all the worst words, it's a good bet you will still understand what they were saying. And now, with no further ado, here's Joel and Ryan. Oh, hello, folks. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. Welcome to the movie show with Joel and Ryan. I am Joel. And I'm Ryan. And uh, that, you know, if that song doesn't instill terror into you, uh, uh, today's show surely will. There's a ton of Americans who know that song. It was a massive hit in England. It was, it's considered to a large degree the first hit of the 70s, actually, in England. It's a Scottish band, middle of the road, Scottish bubblegum. That's one of the weirdest songs I've ever heard. And yet <laughs> it's really, yeah, it's, it's really bonkers. strange. And yet it's really, really catchy. I told Joel that I f- thought twice about even sending it to him because <laughs> you can't, you'll never forget that song. Just one sitting mm-hmm. through it and you'll never really be able to forget it. It's yeah, that, no, it's, it's that catchy. Yeah, it is absolutely. It is you can't unhear it, it's and a, it's not bad. It's just it is an absolute earworm. It's a bubblegum virus. Yeah, and it was used rather um, ingeniously in one of our upcoming films. So we'll discuss yep. that when we get there. Yeah. So there, there is a there is a, a a method to this madness. We aren't just subjecting you to middle of the road. No, indeed, because trippy, trippy we, cheap, cheap. We we um, really endeavor not to play copyrighted material on the show, but that that tune is sort of yeah. What can you do? And and once again, I love I love pushing the envelope. See if I can get you know seven seconds in without anybody ever. Uh, flagging. So hey, if you're listening so. to the show like the week it came out, you might be listening. You know, this might be one that's pulled from the you know because of because of representation from middle of the road. Send us some cease and desist. Yeah, who knows? I told they, Joel they... last week they. Their only hit, you know, they're entitled to every nickel that they that the, that they earned by mm-hmm. it, I should say. So, and uh, yeah, and it's not like we can go. Uh, you know, we'd like to. We're just giving you exposure. You should be happy that we're playing it. On your chirpy, 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 cheap, cheap. By middle. Of Look the it room. up, people. Absolutely, chirpy, chirpy, cheap, cheap. Uh, anyway, okay. So today we are. Uh, it is our final uh spooktoberfest show it is the uh it is the ryan's list of movie uh the uh movie horrors and terrors and um spookademics and uh yeah so this is yeah this is ryan's yearly list of all of the creepy movies that he has watched uh, we have a whole bunch of them to get through. It should be should be super fun. Um, and also, because they're scary movies and I have a kid, I haven't seen like any of these. So these will be fun for me too. Um, um, 
just a, a couple of reminders of what we talked about. I, there's a longer explanation if you want to hear the full philosophy in last week's episode because we had a little had a little extra space in that episode where we could do that. We're not likely to have it in this one. But, you know, I said last week, the you know, listen, this aren't... These are the 24 scary movies I watched during this Halloween season. And whether I like them or not, or dislike them or not, isn't really a recommendation or a non-recommendation in and of itself. I will try and provide some clarity on what they are and what kind of experience it is. And you guys got to judge for yourself if that's an experience you want to put yourself through. Mm -hmm. You know, I keep that strongly in mind. The example, a really good example that I used from last week's show was The Lodge, which I think is an extraordinary horror film, but is really, really... I think it's just really, really a tough one to get through. And so, you know, when you, when you listen to these, that's always the rule of thumb with when you listen to our little capsule reviews, whether it's at the end of the year or wherever, but it's especially true of these Halloween films. Cause like I said, I'm not, I'm not into the jokey ones very much. I, I watch these to get, you know, to go through a, rough experience i expect that i expect if they do them well at all that it's going to be a little bit of sweat and white knuckles to get through it and i i hope that that's the case even so although it wasn't for all of them i will say something though joel um <laughs> this is not really a correction because i sort of stand but what i said about this stupid thing but the werewolves within have uh gets a 91 percent audience rating on rotten tomatoes it's got a 86 percent or 86 is it percent i guess it is yeah yeah it's 86 critic rating so it's that's more tomatoes than sunshine or that's better tomatoes than syriana it's better tomatoes than eastern promises so you, you picked a winner man yeah. The world, well, the world is in your corner on Werewolves Within. Everyone thinks it's clever and brilliant. It's only me. That that, well, I mean, it is. It is very much a uh, a movie of of its time now. I mean, it's made by. <clears throat> I mean, it's made by comedy people who love horror, um, and it. Uh, you know, and I. I think that that movie. Yeah, I mean, that's what that movie is, and uh, the comedy helps uh you know it helps temper any scares there really isn't a lot of scares in that you know lots in of that lots movie. of it's what i would call shocking moments although i i after a couple of those i stopped being shocked by them but that there's a lot yeah. of comic timing in the violence in that movie which is actually a, a pretty well executed i'll just I'll that's quick, a great since way we're to talking it. about yeah. it again i'll quick that's repeat a... my issue with it which is in a in a i didn't even say it quite this clearly but um, not, not only does that movie not, uh, not display any sense of human empathy, it, it really discourages you from exercising that at all to get through it. And I just, I hate that. That's the opposite of what I come to any of these types of things for. So that hopefully explains my reaction to it without <laughs> tearing down every aspect of it. Cause like the boys said, and they would know Michael Klug has to watch a lot of bad horror movies and he didn't yeah. hate it he didn't love it but he didn't hate it it shows you that it there's execution things and you know the woman is i think it's a woman who wrote it uh wrote a very 
kind of like autobiographical book that a lot of kids of the same age that Gen Z kids and stuff very close to. So it's, it's important or significant, I guess I'll say, I won't categorize them as important, but significant mm-hmm. cultural touchstones in it, in and amongst its cast and its uh, crew. Yeah. So. All right. So it's got, a better, uh, less- it's got a better, got better tomatoes than war games. It's got, better tomatoes than chariots of fire well that's you know that's a that that shows a flaw in the system um because in the tomato uh, system i i know i I know i i don't think so joel i think you better take that back right now (laughs) that's true (laughs) you're gonna they're gonna come Uh, after you over that the tomatoes the tomatoes are pure and the tomatoes know (laughs) what is good and what is bad and if you feel differently then you're yeah, you're out there on a, on a plank, my friend, in a yeah. world of pirates, in a world of one-eyed Joes and peg-leg Pete's. You do not want to be ripping <laughs> on the tomato yep. system, my friend. Uh, all right, well let's let's get into the uh, yeah, oh. That spooky tape rewind means that we do have indeed a correction. Ryan, you know, Ryan was, it wasn't a correction, but Ryan uh, wanted to uh, bring up werewolves within, but I do have a correction for our show last week. Uh, I, um, I, when talking about when we were talking about our creepy houses and of course that was when, uh, uh, that was when that failed to play, but uh, so I'm going to play it like 14 times today. Um, It's going to be relevant uh, many, many times. (laughs) Yeah. Um, the, uh, I, I, I talked about the, uh, I had you go one of the houses I had you choose to what to spend a night in, I believe was, I, I said the, the house on haunted Hill. Um, and in the video feed, I put on the haunting of Hill house house, uh, the, the house, but the question so, was still the house on haunted Hill, right? That sure. was what you intended. Uh, you know, honestly, I don't remember what I intended because either one works. Well, you remember, uh, well, but no, but I, because my I put, answer would have been different. Oh, okay. Well, maybe um, not. What was it up against? Uh, it was up against, it was up against the house on, uh, it was the house on Haunted Hill or the Haunted Mansion from Disney. Yeah, well, so you're so gonna okay. want to. I guess my answer would have been the same either way because bring yeah. on the haunted mansion, right? That's all in good fun. Yeah. The but they're not haunt the house on haunted hill. Which, if you recall, when I was talking about the haunting of Hill House, I kept I kept calling it the wrong thing. So it, yeah. I sympathize with you. It's yeah, it's something in your brain with all those H's and the it it does it messes you up and it makes you say yep. the opposite of the one you're thinking of. I don't know why, but I I had the same problem. So yeah, um, yeah. I was listening Haunting to was Hill listening. House is a very. I mean, the old black and white version is a very. Uh, who's the is it? Who's the guy? John Goodman plays him in the movie with the skeletons falling out of the theater ceiling and the. It's a very much a goofy, dumbass jump scare film, but it's a very classic. Oh one. no, that's House. That one's just called House. No, that's Haunting of Hill House oh. with Vincent Price and the skeleton and the acid. And- oh, okay. I was reading the Haunting of Hill House. I was I meant the house uh, from the Netflix series. Oh, and I'm talking and about the house on Haunted Hill and I'm flipping the names again. So you yeah. see, listeners. Okay. See, okay. So this is, yeah. It's hard. It's, it's damn hard. 
Yeah. Let's just say it once we, for the record. We do this for you, listeners. This is, this is the struggles we go through. House on Haunted Hill. It's a cheesy Vincent Price film that's nevertheless really beloved yes. by the baby boomer generation. It was remade. Right. I believe Chris Kattan's in it. I don't remember much else about it. It's crap. I believe you are right. Yeah. Yeah. Later in this, like in the late 90s. And Haunting a Hill House is based on The Haunting by Shirley Jackson, which is one of the greatest haunted house uh, novellas of all time. And yeah. it was turned into the film The Haunting by Ray Weiss, which is an all-time classic and a brilliant piece of cinema. And it was adapted by Mike Flanagan for Netflix called The Haunting of Hill House. And it's brilliant. And that's the difference between the two. Yeah. Uh, hopefully that helps even after, we, <laughs> yeah. even after just moments ago, I was still mm-hmm. screwing them up. It's hard. Mm-hmm. I don't know why yeah, it's it so is. hard, but it is hard. They couldn't be more, they couldn't be more different. Oh. I'm just doing that. Cause I'm assuming we probably have another correction to make on what we just said. Cause I don't even know what, <laughs> so <laughs> because we're future, flipping them all around. Yeah. Yeah. Haunting of-, of the haunting of Hill House on Netflix was the house that I was referring to. That is the house that's on the video feed. Yeah. Uh, that's a we- much scarier house than the haunting yeah. mansion. So I probably would have answered the same, but I wouldn't yeah. be talking about, you know, stop motion skeletons and stuff because it's not, it, it's genuinely. Yeah unnerving and scary and that tv series is if you can if you can you know i don't know that it's one where you hang out with the whole family and eat and chill and watch it but it if you find yourself in the dark watching that that series you you will get it is really really spooky and it 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 and it does in a miraculous way it does what i was saying these sorts of entertainment should do which is that it it really puts you in the place of many, many different characters emotionally throughout. It engenders a great deal of empathy, which is a real test to -hmm. you because it's hard to get through something when these people are going through something so extreme and you really do care about them all pretty much all of them. Um, so I love I love it for those two reasons. That's a great show and a great spook fest and relative it's heavy but it's relatively bloodless too so it's yep. not yep. you know it's not a gore fest although there's god we're going to get into these movies there's it seems like the gore envelope is mm-hmm. full like there's nothing you can't yep. do anymore and you can do it at any point and it just doesn't matter so yep. i don't know if anyone i don't know if it, that uh, can be pushed any further than it is i don't see how right all right well, let's uh, let's jump in to the uh, the creepy list of terror of uh, 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 the how many do we say there were the 20, 24. 24 movies, 24 movies that Ryan there were going to be 23. Seen. But I went ahead and watched Army of the Dead last night so we can talk about that, too. There he goes. OK. Uh, all right. First up is the boy behind the door. Yeah. Who are the cats, Joel, if you have it in front of you that made this? Uh, David David Chabonnier, <laughs> Justin Powell. It might be so, Chabonnier. So there, uh, there are a couple of partners, and they made the first two movies on this list. Um, they're very mm-hmm. they're one they're single location uh, spook fest movies. They were both made. Uh, they're both Shutter Entertainment exclusives, and which is the horror movie streaming channel. And they're very, I don't want to say they're subtle because that's not the right word, but they're very modest 
films, but they both revolve around children, which is tr tricky. The boy behind the door, uh, the tagline for it, I'll let you read the exact tagline if you have it. It's fantastic. Um, uh, is it uh, the only way out? Is together. is together yeah that's mm -hmm. a really neat tagline that is almost sums up the story better than anything else you could do these are a couple kids on the way to baseball practice who get kidnapped for well we only experience the story from their point of view so whatever the purposes of their kidnapping was it, it ain't good but we don't really get the, the the thing from the kidnapper's point of view um Either way, they're in this house. One of them's sort of free, trying to survive. The other one's locked up and trapped. Um, and the f one that's free just doesn't know where to go and refuses to leave his friend behind. And it's it's intense movie. I mean, I was I was pretty impressed with it. Like I say, just this single location, one house, very in and interiors and out exteriors, and it's very simple, but. Uh, and it's like an hour and 20 minutes, you know, it's a very tight, quick moving thing, but it's children in jeopardy, very, very much in jeopardy. Some people don't mm -hmm. like that. You know, again, if, if I bring up a children in jeopardy story on this list, unless I say otherwise, it delivers on that. It It is intense in that way. So I know some people that's quite the trigger and they avoid those this the yeah. second one is the gin mm-hmm same guys same yeah same filmmakers came basically made just the year later it's lace were right on top of each other they're both credited as 2021 films but i believe i believe the boy behind the door actually was on the 2020 festival circuit such as it was it, it yeah it started out the year like the festivals usually do and then it went away because of covid very very quickly um same the, same uh there's another one of these same kid is in it too ezra dewey cool it was good he's good um he, he makes it this is a tough one this is it's a little like an outer limits episode you know this is a kid who makes a, a wish on a genie basically based on this reading he was done he's 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 um He's not deaf. He's mute. He can't speak. Mm -hmm. um, so the film is pure visual storytelling, which I really, really liked. It's got some very memorable sequences in it, which is cool. Uh, but it's a tough story. It's got a kind of mean Rod Serling sense of irony to it all. And, and as probably a genie horror movie should have. But I, I found that a little, little much. His wish... You know, his wish is to, like, have his mother back in his life. Or or is that really his wish, you know? It, there's a mm -hmm. monkey's paw aspect to it that you might find distasteful. <laughs> but it's, <laughs> but it, it's that kind of movie. So, you know, these are horror movies after all. I, I do think... I do think going for the gut punch is fair game in these. And this one... This one... Let's just say the boy behind the door didn't prepare me for kind of how cruel this particular film is. The gin is tough, but it's yeah. good. It was again well executed. It's I don't want to say they're either of them are great, but they just show what we see time and time again. You see these talented directors. Sometimes they break from the horror movie shackles. Sometimes they just stay home and make horror movies their whole lives. But either way, there's this great 
energy that these guys really really get it that they know that they have been handed this little bit amount of money that the mm-hmm. you know that the movie that the movie itself isn't a means to an end it's a dream come true and each of these films are like fully realized and they don't waste a second and yeah. i admire and, them and that there's quite a bit there's there's craft there yeah um that that is to, that could lead know, to bigger things or hand. yeah or even or if they could only, just, yeah, even if they only make twelve million dollar horror movies till the end of time, that mm-hmm. we could still they're, they're still going to be solid films. There, there, yeah, I expect so. Um, so the boy behind the door, uh, you know, kids in peril, but you know, good kids. These are good kids. Uh, the gin, maybe a kid who uh, we could qualify as. <laughs> Not okay, creepy kid. That's right, creepy no, kid. No, he's not a creep. He's just a sweet kid who doesn't get oh, okay. it. Okay, he not hasn't right. seen these movies before, and we have, and that's the advantage that we have over him. And it's mm-hmm. he's the sweetest kid ever, and that's part of the meanness of the story. I have to say. Um. All right. Next up is a movie by David Cronenberg's son, Brandon Cronenberg. And the apple don't fall too far from the tree. The movie is called Possessor. Yeah, there's a weird, there's some weird science in it. There's a weird uh, political sort of conspiracy in it. These are all staples of Cronenberg's early work anyway. Or I should say prime period work, Videodrome, Scanners, the early 80s stuff where he, you know, he had some great things in the 70s. He had some great, even really better things later in time. But his most famous films are, are those eighties movies, the fly. And this feels like one of those to a certain degree. It's actually, it's clever. It's clever in the same way. Werewolves within is clever, but it's, it's dry the way a Canadian low budget Canadian conspiracy horror movie should be. So it takes itself very, very seriously. It's not a comedy, but it does have that. This reflects something about the way we interact as people in it, but it, 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 I don't think I'm giving it away because I think you sort of see this happen in the first scene of the thing. There's this technology they've developed, or a drug, or a mix of stuff. It's a MacGuffin, so they don't really get into the science, which is good. Because mm-hmm. anytime you do, you're generally left scratching your head or not believing what you're being told. But they're able to project somebody's consciousness into somebody else's body. And, of course, they're using this for almost purely evil means. They're using it as an act of industrial espionage through these incredibly grisly murders that they're using and it's the murders are this is the stabbiest movie i've seen in some <laughs> time it's just a hideous bloody mess of a film it's really really and it's not in that uh grand grand gingwell or whatever you know uh what do we talk about the giallo sort of way <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah, oh, this yeah. is just one person in an extremely believable way stabbing people repeatedly and it's and with no sort of visual fanfare or sense of fun so just be warned about that i think it's fair to warn you folks about that before you watch the possessor uncut i watched the uncut version if there's another version out there i was not able to find it in fact um 
but it's smart. It's smart, and it breaks down in a really psychologically raw sort of way. Uh, deeply unpleasant, but that was the point of it. It's more of a science fiction movie than a horror movie, but I just think the stabbing deaths are put it over the top, so I call it a horror movie. Cronenberg <laughs> does have a lot of skill, and he is he is saying something about the world that we live in in a sort of interesting way. This was a, a critically adored film, but I just, maybe too bloody and too just cold for my taste. Tough to say. Right. I Because I didn't love it, but this is one of those where I don't love it, but if it sounds like you could tolerate it, then it's recommended because it's, it's interesting. Yeah. And, you know, and it's the, I believe it's his first feature. So it's, it should be, at least it feels like it is the starting point for a very interesting filmmaker who is very much his father's son in this piece, but is something different too, in an interesting way. He's, is mm -hmm. somehow, more direct and less metaphorical even though it's high concept the idea is mm -hmm. out there the the film attacks its ideas in a very direct way that was admirable i think all right i didn't like it i i didn't like it when it was over i didn't like it at all it was i was the end of the night for me and i really just wanted to watch anything else to like <laughs> Right? What did we talk about? Yeah. It was ages ago. I needed a nice Remington Steel episode to just get the blood off me somehow. Yeah. And even that wouldn't do the trick, but at least enough so that I could rest easy. It was an ugly, ugly movie. Yeah. Um, all right. Next up is No One Gets Out Alive. Uh, this is more my bag. The, the peg here is more, it's Del Toro-esque, I guess we'll say. Uh, read the, this one helps if you read the setup, I think. Uh, okay. I don't have a great, uh, this, uh, see, let me get out of that. Let me hit you with this one off of IMDB. An immigrant in search of the American dream who, after being forced to take a room in a boarding house, finds herself in a nightmare. She can't escape. Um, yeah. So. Again, this I like this movie. In fact, this movie setup was so cool that I almost I knew it wouldn't because I I saw the poster and I knew what movie I was watching. But I I almost hoped this would just would have just stayed an immigrant story <laughs> and not gotten all uh, the house is evil or the people are mm. evil or the whatever. There's a creature someplace. Um, it it's I find it hard to recommend. I think I read a lot of the reactions online while I was watching it, and sorry, I do that a little bit. I don't mean to be so clinical about these, but <laughs> I sort of do my research while I'm watching them sometimes. Not all the time, but it it it's I just I can't, I can't say anything about it without it's yeah. It takes a turn into it takes a, a turn and the turn is like a 180 degree you got slapped in the face with a wet sausage type of turn and I don't want to ruin it <laughs> if you're going to watch it but I just want you to know that it that that's coming and just got to you, you I think it's fair advice and it's mm -hmm. I'm not being unfair to the movie to say you got to be prepared for that even if you don't know what it is and I'm not going to tell you and normally I don't even like to tell people about twists or turns because, you know, 
I didn't know about it in this case, but the film hints at it without really letting you know what's happening. Also, for a film that, because it's not really about this, didn't need it to super, super stabby. It's got a big-time, major, stabby finale. <laughs> and Yeah, I'm just I'm reading through the synopsis. <laughs> Yeah, reading, reading through the synopsis here and it does like the first few paragraphs are like okay yeah she she's yeah she's coming she's yeah she's, she's a very house, sympathetic blah, blah, blah. protagonist oh, it's a yeah, good actor oh, they, the she's money got a, isn't there so they're mad and blah blah oh, oh oh okay now yeah they're they're all right now there's a box and uh <laughs> the box yeah what's the deal with the box well yeah, i can promise uh, you the one great thing about no one gets out alive is that you whatever unless you really do read ahead of time you will not ever guess what the deal with the box is until it's yeah all it says is that you know like and in that uh, way i was impressed with it you know they, they someone is tied down um sort of on a slab sort of thing and a box is opened and they leave, and they just leave i the would room. never have said even that much it's okay you know so all right well i'll stop then because uh you know what no one gets out alive. Uh, yeah, and, that's uh, and, if they call your film that, it, and it, it's it's damn well going to fulfill that promise. So it's yeah. you can't say it wasn't playing fair with you. Yep. Uh, all right. Next up, uh, whenever you have a title, uh, that's a Netflix like, movie, by the way. I won't always okay. know where these are shown, but uh, all right. But uh, when I do, I'll let you know. That's on Netflix. It's you know, it's about half of it is in Spanish. I, I didn't mind that, but some people might. It's an English language film where half of it is almost is subtitled. That's sure. that's the way probably to tell this particular story with the different ethnic groups involved. But but it some people are like ah, you didn't tell me it was in Spanish. You know, it's <laughs> for an English movie about as much of this movie is in Spanish as can be, and have it not be a Spanish movie. So there you go. So know that and roll with it. And um, you all and should be cool with that. But I just say yeah. word and word. see if you get out alive. Uh, all right. Next up, when it, whenever you have a movie that is titled like this, you know, there's going to be some creepiness and some uh, religious idol idolatry. Uh, the seventh day. Yeah. The seventh day is kind of like training day, except for exorcists. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> that's how it starts and if it would have stayed that way i probably really would have loved it as it is it 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 and i wouldn't have loved it because it's just not uh -huh. very good but it, it's not terrible guy pierce play guy pierce plays a grizzled old exorcist and who's the kid who plays the young rookie exorcist uh vadir derbez mm-hmm and then uh old father what's his face is played by a dude man from avatar and uh well there yeah there are you talking about Stephen lang or exactly, Keith, yeah, yeah Stephen lang, lang and keith david is in it um Briefly. keith david's yeah. in the prologue yep oh, okay. um exorcism you know it's fun for everybody this film it felt, really is this film felt like a tv pilot because you really do start out the main characters are introduced to each other they experience several different varieties of the d daily exorcisms they have to deal with that all felt like that all made exorcism feel like sort of not very special, but I liked that. 
I like the buddy cop aspect of it. It was that was weird I, to me, and I've never seen. Yeah, see that before. that is right up my alley. Like I, I yeah, I I remember writing a short story in college about um about two executioners just hanging out and and they're just like bored with their job and um you know it's like well because it's just day in day out all right here we go bring in back, another one back and, yeah. to the old grind um yep. i it, love you know, stuff like that so it that it's it's only an hour and a half it's just the last half hour 40 minutes ish that devolve into very standard exorcism fair uh there may be some twists and turns hidden in there but it it's not enough because you've seen that before and you've seen it better and just about everything else so uh-huh. it it doesn't stick the landing at all but it's not terrible i mean it was it was all right i guy pierce is why i came i figured it, it's some off i figured this wrongly time and time again throughout history but i figured well he did it there must be something sort of interesting in it Sure. And Keith David and Stephen Lang in really small parts of both are fantastic. And that's kind of neat. So so it just has an extremely poor rating online. I don't know which service has this, but it's it's hated because it really just goes off the rail into complete mediocrity. But Right. But I I didn't hate it. I, I just don't think it's hateable. It's it's it just it really felt like it was on the edge of being this great sort of genre bending thing. Yeah. And it and it isn't that. It's just a mm-hmm. it's just an old good old exorcist movie, you know. Yeah. It is available on Netflix. Hey. Um, day. All right. Seventh day. Uh all right. Uh next up is um Fear. These are the this the is dark the, this was my faith based like uh, <laughs> horror movie night here. Well, I watched uh-huh. all these in one night. There's a term for it. There's a sub genre where it's demons and angels, and I can't remember what it is. It's a great name. Oh, sure. Um, and that's all of these are that to one degree or another of that genre. So, um, all right. So next up is the power. Hey, fear the darkness within. That's smart. And the darkness without, yeah. as the case may be. This was well, this movie I really, really liked. If this film would have had just one really memorable horror sequence in it, because it doesn't really. It's got a bunch of non sequiturs that are interesting enough and get you to the end, but it 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 needs something to make it feel special in it. In the end, all it has is the song that we were playing before. This is it's an interesting oh. story. Um it, it takes place in 1971, 1972, at the time when the when the uh, laborers in England were protesting and they were they were leaving work at night so that all the power in the city was going off because there was nobody to maintain or watch over it. And this film takes place in a they call it a sanitarium, but it's basically just a hospital. The sanitarium sounds spookier, but it's really just a hospital with sick people in it a catholic hospital though i that's significant all the nurses are nuns and it's it has a lot of religiosity to it but i liked it the leading lady was really fantastic she's this young girl who's an orphan who studied to become a nurse to work at this hospital to find out to do good you know and uh what she says is she was hoping that 
she would meet other people like her who were there for the same reason and that they, Mm -hmm. that that would be her family going forward. That's as much as a poor person, that's as much as a poor orphan in England at the time could achieve really. That's as far up as you can pull your bootstraps seriously in this time. If you're from that class in this country and she does it. And when she finds, obviously it's super disappointing. She finds cynicism and, uh, bureaucracy and just all that stuff that you hate, but it's clever. It's an English parable in the sense that you can't really trust your first impression of anybody. It's got some neat twists and turns. It's got a cool kid performance. It's got a really diverse cast in a story that probably did, you know, it, it just has a deliberately diverse cast where, where when the, when the setting doesn't really call for it. And I always think that's very cool to see. Um, and it's got uh, chirpy, chirpy, cheap, cheap dance sequence in it. Can't beat that. I, uh, I started looking about, up that term. A song about disappearing parents, by the way. This, if you really listen to what they're saying in this song, as groovy as it is, it's disturbing what they're singing about. And this film has the same sort of effect on you. I thought that song was used very, very cleverly in it. And I love it. I liked the power. I genuinely did Uh, young plucky hero making her way through a creepy sanitarium one night with no power. (laughs) (laughs) That's should be good enough. And it is good good (laughs) job. That's pretty much it's like, it's like, well, we could do this. Yeah, that works. It, right. it, uh, it teetered on the point of greatness. It, if it, it had something where I could say, if this happens or wait till you get to this, that never really takes place. But it definitely, it is creepy. And if you give yourself over to it, I liked it a lot. Mm-hmm. I uh, I tried looking up like what that subgenre of like when horror and religion meet. And the only thing I found was nunsploitation. Um, but I <laughs> well, don't think that's what you were looking for. No, it isn't. There are plenty of nuns in this. No, that's the, you know, that's more the pornographic um, yeah, version of that. My, so. <laughs> I did like the name nunsploitation. Uh, all right. Uh, next up is, uh, this is a Blumhouse production. Um in this same uh, v- uh, same vein of uh, supernatural horror, religion horror, uh, and that is called The Vigil. This was really this again. This movie I watched them in this order. These three films, and this was a great headliner because this was really unnerving and felt really original in how it was done. I really, really dug the vigil. The vigil is the story of a former Orthodox Jew who's got some real trauma in his past. He's like a recovering, you know, uh, recovering um, atheist essentially, and he's in a support group for people who've escaped abuse of different kinds. But they, it's it all revolves around um, the sort of strict tenets of. Orthodox Judaism. And so to me, there was a lot of neat stuff in this that I'm not used to seeing in these types of films, just because that, that religion, frankly, just isn't exploited for horror in the same way, not nearly. Mm -hmm. So it really did feel bracingly original. Um, He, he's hired because he needs the money by an old acquaintance of his from the church who seems like a nice enough guy and probably is. 
um, to keep vigil over this dead body at night, which is a, you know, a real, very real old school ritual from Judaism. Yep. Where you just keep watch so that it's kept safe until the morning or whatever, until the, you know, all the burial rituals and, and funeral rites can be performed in that religion. And it's got a fantastic, the woman, the caretaker of this building, this way station for dead bodies or whatever. And this place of mourning is played by the woman who played the prime minister in Munich. It's her last film and she's stunningly good in it. She's always good when she shows up and stuff, but it, it, I just felt like to see somebody in this film from that film was just like, it brought, the weight of the religion down, which is what you want these to have. You want them to have that sort of authenticity to them. And it did. And it was very complex. This character is coming at this from a very complex standpoint. Uh, it's fair. It's an extremely creepy, like uh, insidious style, you know, what's in the shadows sort of moments. Um, but, but it, what it did better than I think insidious or that sort of jump scare stuff does is it gives you a lot to ponder at the end, psychologically, you know, the way that trauma affects us and the, the difficulty in escaping it, the way that our religious upbringing or our ideas about that get to us and how they can, save us but like how it's all more complicated than that i really really like the vigil i don't think it'll be for everybody i think a lot of people will just sit there and go boring because it's just yeah. not a, you know because there's not a lot of yeah but i i really really dug it it's a film about ideas whose human element is out on its sleeve in a really raw and wonderful way and to me those two things always combine to great effect. Even when I'm, yeah. even when I feel tortured, I still feel like it was worth it. If you can deliver the goods on those two fronts and this more than any movie up to this point, the vigil manages that, but it is different. It isn't conventional horror. There's not a lot of horror in it, but there's enough that it is a horror movie. And I just, I feel like for real horror hounds, they'd be disappointed in it. It's about much, sure. much more than that. It almost, it, it almost, feels like if it could have hung this story on anything other than a sort of haunting, it would have, but it couldn't. <laughs> so here we are. <laughs> if that makes any sense. I don't know. Yeah. I like the vigil a lot. I was impressed. Um, yeah. I'm just, I, I sorry. Yeah. I, I, I am listening to you. I just was like re reading cool things about it. Uh, the, it is available on Hulu. If you have Hulu. Um, it's good. All also right. a lot of Yiddish in it. A lot of Yiddish, so just be warned. It's again, it's another one where you're going to be reading subtitles, not most of the time, but a good deal of the time, more more yeah. than maybe you're expecting. So, um, okay, next up is um, a movie called Synchronic. Oh, this with is a cool, with yeah. a cool poster. Yeah, yeah, and a couple of great actors. Uh, great, I shouldn't say great. They maybe haven't achieved greatness yet, but a couple of really mm. good hip actors. Jamie, oh yeah, Jamie Dornan and Anthony Mackie. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's the it's sort of a continuation of the ideas from look up these filmmakers too, if you will, Joel. And we've talked about 
their movies on previous horror episodes of this type. So I yeah. kind of want to get a run up to them because I'm forgetting the names of them. But sure, it's uh, it's uh, Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, and they they make pretty much mm-hmm. science fiction movies. These really are all sci-fi films, but there's an yeah they un- made uh, there's an intensity and an unpleasantness to them that really does sort of give one full foot in the horror genre just about every time sure they made resolution uh vhs viral well vhs Um, it was a composite film but yeah okay spring and the endless the endless so we didn't talk much about spring which is a weird uh guy falls in love with a monster movie um Hmm. but we which is really, again, bracingly original and interesting, I think. Um, but very low budget, and I think people will be taken aback by that. I think the poster promises, like a like a science fiction, all these films have science fiction novel covers where when you open yeah. them up, they tend to be very, very modest and intimate things, and you're expecting something big and broad and none of them are the endless was that movie about the guy who locked his friend up and out in a shack to get him clean. And then they went on some crazy cross dimensional time travel adventure together. That is never like really fully explained. Yeah. That's a fantastic movie. Um, what's the one spring isn't related, but the one after that is, is almost a, it's not a sequel, but it's a, from the same universe. Uh-huh. Um, uh, uh, you're talking about resolution yeah resolution which is again a guy who goes back to uh uh, basically goes back to visit a cult that he had freed himself from and uh, again interdimensional craziness occurs resolution resolution is the is the time travel or is like the weird oh that's the uh, resolution right because he made That's a resolution where... to get him clean. And he's yep. going to let his friend kill himself if he can't get him to not be suicidal, which yep. is an interesting twist. Yeah, the Endless is the, is the cult one, yeah. Yeah, the Endless is the cult one. So they're, And they have share some characters and stuff. And Synchronic is not a direct continuation of that, but it's a similar, very much a similar world of the story. Um, it's about a couple of... Uh, EMPs, right? Medics, basically ambulance drivers who experience a crime scene based on this new drug that's out there and it changes their lives. And I'm really not going to go into the details of what happens, but people who really liked, um, what's that time travel movie I like so much that I can never remember that costs like 20 bucks. Uh, that's a very good question. Um, let's see. I can never remember uh, its name because it's got a name like these have resolution, synchronic. Uh-huh. You know, it's uh, so anyway, uh, it's a I'm trying to it, think of other time looper. Uh, no, 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 it's cost uh, 20 bucks. It doesn't have Joseph Gordon Levitt and really expensive <laughs> makeup in it or Bruce Willis. Uh, it doesn't have anyone you've ever heard of in it or and you still haven't heard of them even though they were in a big hit festival movie. So no, it's a tiny little movie. I can't remember what it's called. It's not important. It's like that. Even though it does have uh hmm. Falcon in it and you know uh Dornan, I don't know what he's famous for, but isn't uh, he the dude from uh uh the Grey films, the uh Yeah, 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 but that's Yeah. That shouldn't be enough. <laughs> You should have to have done something other than that for me to consider you famous, Jamie. I think you have. Wasn't he in like... 
the, well, I'm sure he has. He's been in a ton of movies. He was in like Hold a TV on. movie uh, that was, or a TV show that was really popular too. Yeah, he, you know, Jamie Dornan was in. He well, he was started out as a model. Let's not forget that. Uh, you know, but he's been in um, Marie Antoinette, Fifty Shades of Grey, Flying Home, Anthropo, uh, Siege of uh, or the Ninth Life of Louis Drax, uh, Private War, Robin Hood. Um, oh yeah, he's in Robin Hood. All right, we'll give you yeah. that one, mate. He's in that the upcoming count. Belfast. You are to date still famous for being in the gray movies. So get uh, get on it. Get that see, in the rearview mirror as soon as you can. Um, not so it's not Jumper. We're not talking about Jumper, the time travel. I mean, I'm I'm obsessed with finding whatever this time travel movie. Yeah, is Jumper costs like two hundred million dollars and has yeah, no, Samuel I know, I'm Jackson just, in it. So no, it is not Jumper. Uh, let's see. Jumper's terrible. Jumper starts out with uh, Hayden Christensen doing a voiceover, and he says, I started out, uh, you know, like a guy who was a kid in school, basically a chump, like you. And I was like, yeah. oh, the movie's telling me I'm a chump right in the very first scene. <laughs> uh, let's see. So, There's... so kind of like no one gets out alive, you can't really say it doesn't play fair with you. It really does. See, You're a chump. What have you lapse, been doing time here? Time Low budget, how, no. Low budget time travel movie. Yeah, it's, I, it's I looked one at of the greatest time travel movies of all time because the time travel part of it is kind of unimpeachably perfect, which Let's is something. See. That Sound of my voice. Sound of my voice. Time trap. Time crimes. Predestination. Uh, see, they put Looper in here. Donnie, these aren't low budget. No. Primer? We're talking about primer, aren't we? We are talking about primer. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right, people. We made These it are not far. low, but you can't say Donnie Darko's a low budget. Oh, come on. They put Looper in here as a low budget. No, come on. Look, Looper, Donnie Darko, those are modest Hollywood films. They're technically independent movies, but they aren't. That, that primer really was made by these guys with their parents money and their friends yeah like seven thousand dollars it was made for seven thousand dollars <laughs> that's a low budget movie gang i you know to these other movies i say yeah i do not come at me with your saying you're low budget jumpers you know just what garbage. since we you i never thought is? we'd be talking about that on the movie show with joel and ryan but since it came yeah. up trash looper it is loopers not it is not a good no, Looper, uh, Looper's uh, yeah. maybe worth your time, although I found that somewhat disappointing. Um, yeah. Primer is fantastic. Primer's the best $7,000 time travel movie you will ever see. Yep. And Synchronic, while it's a much bigger budgeted film than that, in in the, you know, six, what, eight-digit territory, uh -huh. it's still very modest film, but it was very, very interesting. It's... It's, it has these interesting hallucinatory sequences in it. It's got this interesting testing out the rules of the story so that you're learning how things work along with the characters in a great way. Mackie's fantastic in those sequences. Um, Very cool. It's, it was, it, it's cool. I mean, it really is cool, but it's just... It used to be if you were like a hipster, you know, cool person, this would be the movie for you. I'm afraid nowadays the movie for you probably is Werewolves Within... So I feel like that's swung in a really awful way. But if you were a cool hipster guy in the 90s and you wish there was more cool hipster independent movies like that out today, Synchronic. It's 
if you, for you, if you gang. Yep. Hop on board. It's good stuff. And really, Synchronic, you can see out of sequence, but I'll just repeat, Resolution, the, all these films, Spring, these guys make, these guys are like those kids we were talking about at the beginning of the show. They made this tiny little film that was really well received, and while they are slowly sort of expanding the scope of the storytelling. Mm -hmm. You know, Jamie Dornan and Mackie didn't do Synchronic so that they could make a jillion dollars. They did it because they'd seen these guys' other films and were happy to get paid nothing to spend a couple of months with them. And that right. really speaks to what kind of artists we're talking about here. Um, and frankly, Dornan, who I was just teasing, Mackie, obviously, it speaks to their integrity that they... that their time is money, especially at this age in their careers. And yeah. they're, they're choosing to do a film like this is very, very cool. So, right. Um, but all right. Next. It's very thinky and it's very, you know, you just gotta, it's that kind of film. So be ready sure. for that. Sure. Uh, all right. Next up is, um, a movie that should be near and dear to our hearts as you and I do this show over zoom. Um, <laughs> We this one is uh, an hour long. You you told me about we had talked about this one offline, uh, and uh, and and everybody um, should but, know about this now. This was this. There's one other movie on this list that was more for horror people. This movie, though, for the general populace, especially for teenagers who were trapped at home wanting to watch a horror movie during the pandemic, this was it. This was the movie that reached all of them. They all saw this. This was a and huge hit online. Yep, and it's called Host. Which everything's called Host, so forgive us for that. It's the Zoom meeting host that we're talking yeah. about. <laughs> well, I just, I think there's 30 yep. movies called Host. Many of them are horror movies. Well, yeah, and it, <laughs> what I love is Host, not to be confused with Host 2006 or Host 2013 or Host 2020. This is, yeah, exactly. I mean, there's, there's The Host 2020. This is Host. Right, it's a, from Shutter. It, it, it is literally, yeah. The well, people from Shutter. Yeah, it's literally a Zoom meeting, a haunted Zoom meeting. Um, and it's I think, and maybe I'm just a big dumb girl. I don't know, because that's who this was made for. This was made for, <laughs> this was made for babysitting money to be spent on and to have like this is like a slumber party. House of Horrors, and I thought uh -huh. it was the scariest movie on this list. I was genuinely scared. <laughs> and it's because of the integrity of these performers. These kids come in. Uh, they all. It's one of those weird uh, Blair Witch style things where it's very improvisational and feels very real. It literally ends when the forty-minute free Zoom meeting thing runs out at the end. Um. But it's this this American kid who hasn't seen or really dealt with anybody gets together on a Zoom meeting with her friends from England. It's never really explained while all her friends are English, but you assume that there was some sort of exchange program that happened in high school or something. I don't really know. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But the, these women in this film are so good. They're just really, really good, and they really do a good job of selling the reality of these people to begin with, and then the real and the reality of the relationships, which is the key the key thing to making it work, and then the reality of the horrors that get unleashed on them while they're in this meeting. 
Uh-huh. And it just shouldn't work anywhere near as well as it does. But the people who made it and shot it had more than enough good ideas to get you to the end. It's less than an hour long. So mm-hmm. I think it's 51 minutes long. So it cheats time a little bit. Um, cheats that 40 minutes, just a teeny tiny bit. I don't know. Maybe, maybe zoom doesn't quite cut you off right at 40 minutes. I don't know the rules, but I loved it. I loved host. I just, I, I just hats off to everybody who did it. The, the way they did these effects, the, you know, it's uh, it works on you the same way a really good found footage movie works, and that's the style of thing that you're looking at. It the only technical achievement that it does, the only technical cheat is that it cross cuts between the frames of the Zoom meeting. Every once in a while, you're seeing one frame whole, and then you're seeing everybody, and then you're seeing mm-hmm. another frame whole. So it 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 that's the only editing choices that it even makes. And I knocked my socks off. I was really, really scared for them. And I, I and I really wanted them to make it out okay. The quick premise is that she's had a loss in her life and she's brought her closest friends together over Zoom to meet with a medium um, to have a seance. So it's just the setup of the thing is a seance. Mm-hmm. And one of her friends, like you do at a, at a slumber party, at a Ouija board party, starts just making stuff up, starts faking it. And right when that happens, the medium who's in, you know, has done this before her internet goes out. So they're left to fend for themselves against something they summoned by accident, by, by not respecting the spirits. Love it. Love it. So the premise is ingenious and the way it's delivered is fantastic. Mm -hmm. I, it it feels weird saying so many praises about this little goofy movie, but. I love I'm it. seeing a, tra- you know, I'm seeing the trailer in the background. Like they used, like the the, the fact that they, you know, are using some of the fun, uh, like filters and stuff that you can do. Yeah. You know, they they're, you know, they they have fun things like, uh, you know, they're able to do things like, oh, I look like a pig now, and you know, nice. and they they're using that as part of the storytelling technique. Yeah, that's pretty. I'm on that's I'm on board with that. That's pretty it's, cool. It's it's fantastic. I mean, I really for for a Zoom horror movie for a, a sub one hour Zoom horror movie. Yeah, I just I can't imagine a way it could have been better. <laughs> so, tip top. Um, Good job. Let's let's go to the world of ecological horror. Yes, and um, let's several talk of those about- on here too. Although I don't have them in a nice little clump. Yeah, that's not yet its own subgenre. Well, it is um, actually eco horror. Eco horror. Eco horror. Yes. Okay. Well, uh, once, first up, once in- eco terrorism became its own kind of terrorism, eco horror followed quickly behind that, and definitely well, there you is go. its own subgenre. All right. Well, this one is 2021 from South Africa. It's Gaia, shot in the in remotely in the South African jungle, which is the big star of the film. Um, but it's about a couple of park rangers who there's their, uh, drone crashes in the jungle and they go to retrieve it and, uh, don't really get lost so much as they get attacked and they're saved by a couple of weird counterculture druid type people. One of whom, one of whom it was escaping the world to be out there. The other of whom was raised out there from a very young age and is basically a jungle boy. And uh, I don't know what to say. Terrible things happen. You just you can't. You can't really. <laughs> Havoc ensues. 
you know, you were rescued or were you? Is the is the question? Mm. This film's very poetic, almost in an almost in an overkill way, almost in an annoying way. Where I'm kind of like, you know, let's have some some sort of reality creep in on this, but that doesn't really happen. It's very dreamlike and poetic, and it's very the film's very in touch with sort of the magic of nature, but like a bigger and I think better film, but certainly bigger film uh, Annihilation examines the way that the creation of new life is essentially a destructive thing. If you look at it on a close enough, if you look Mm -hmm. at it through a microscope, if you get down there on the ground and you see what's happening, we build new life upon the old and we can only, even nature can only really, expand itself by destroying different aspects of itself and this has that metaphor very very heavy-handedly on top of it without without any cool cg alligator attacks and the things that annihilation has going for it big movie stars but i was good it was good but it was it was weird and i think people who don't like weird things are not going to like gaia so if you like weird do it it's a easy enough thing to watch sure sure um i this might be my my favorite title uh of um any movie on this list uh and and, because i just like it we need to do something (laughs) yeah but what can you do so at some point during a storm this family who's traveling takes shelter in this empty house with only one doorway and it only has those brick you know those windows those transparent bricks everywhere oh you know yeah, yeah, yeah the glass the glass block yeah yeah the glass block so a tree in the storm crashes in front of this door and they're just trapped in this house for what feels like an eternity and by the end may have actually been an eternity we're not really sure uh it, this was terrible. This is the worst movie on this list by far. Mm, it was bummer. really, really bad. I like the actor Vanessa Shaw. I think she's pretty cool. Um, she definitely gets out of this one without embarrassing herself, which the rest of the cast can't quite say. But but other than that, other than an endurance test for an actor I admire, I, I don't. I I didn't like this film at all. It's it's. I, I didn't like it at all. There was a film similar where people go to visit a house and this weird homogenized suburban thing had Eisenberg in it. And we talked about it last year. Uh, and they just get trapped in this neighborhood and you're just trapped in this nightmare basically. Mm -hmm. And the reasons ultimately for that, the reasons in that film, which was, I can't remember what it's called. Versarium or something, (laughs) some kind of made up word. Um, But it, it that movie, the reasons weren't so important. It was this curse and you sort of understood that you shouldn't care. And then this movie, they spend the whole movie trying to figure it out. And they do figure it out and it's dumb and they still can't do anything about it. And it's, just, <laughs> it's, a, it's a frustrating, frustrating movie experience. I, I didn't like it at all. I don't know why anyone would really like it, actually. That these, these these four people are so unpleasant to each other right from the get go, and Dad's such a temperamental jerk immediately, and 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 it's I don't want to really rip on the actor because I just feel like that's what's there, and he's just doing that, and he was hired because he's good at that. 
but I didn't I didn't dig it. We need to do something. Mm-hmm. Do something else than that movie. And it really <laughs> is. I don't want to say like it's the movie I hated the most on this list because I don't think that's true, but it, it's the it's the wor- demonstrably worst made and worst thought out film on this list by far. It has a really short cameo by Ozzy Osbourne in it and it, it does. And the director has a cameo in it as a quote human toilet. That sounds good to you. Uh, okay. But compared to something like Synchronic or The Vigil, I mean, it just, it's trash. It's just garbage. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, okay. Uh, I'm trying to hear our rundown from last I mean, it's a movie year. where they're like, uh, let's have Ozzy come in and say one thing in voiceover. I mean, why yeah. bother? If that's, if that's behind the scenes, like hijinks and games that you're getting off on, then how can you possibly mm-hmm. put anything worthwhile in front of the camera? And it, it turns out you can't, you kind of, you kind of revealed yourself behind the scenes to be just crappy storytellers. And that's how it ends up. There you go. Uh, were you thinking of Vivarium? Vivarium. That- thank you. Yeah. I almost had that on the tip of my tongue, but made up words, you know. Yeah. No, Vivarium. It, uh, the- also, deeply unpleasant Vivarium. story of two people trapped for an eternity in a house. Mm-hmm. But at least that film's got some smarts and cares, takes some care with what it's telling, even if sure. even if everyone, most who've seen it, hate it because it it wants you to hate it in a way it wants to torture you (laughs) and it does (laughs) and and mission accomplished all right let's move on to the devil below oh hey boy i needed this man after gaia and after uh i needed this movie this just good old-fashioned monster movie baby all right cool all right some uh coal miners back in the early 80s uh dug through some chamber underground and unleashed a bunch of man-eating monsters and uh years later in the present day a bunch of amateur journalists and adventurers travel to this area find this old abandoned mine this old abandoned town and investigate and of course they set the monsters free and then they have to work with the few remaining town folks to try and undo what they've done cheap dumb stupid monster movie it was made by and stars many of the same people who were in the found footage film uh the chernobyl one chernobyl diaries yeah which the same setup rumors of things happening during the chernobyl site on young kid online journalists go to investigate and get way way more than they bargain for as far as found footage movies chernobyl's not one of the good ones but it's not one of the terrible ones either it's mediocre and as a man-eating creatures you know attack at night from underground this isn't very good either yeah (laughs) but the but the creatures are great the you know what i mean it's good enough it it takes its own premise seriously it does have a little fun with it while it's not winking at us or giving up any of the energy of it uh my buddy will Patton in the ozarks man if will Patton's in the ozarks check it out what have you got to lose you know that's what i always say he's sort of the patriarch of what's left of this little society who keep vigil over this disaster site that only they know about and of course one of the big you know things you got to do in that case is you got to keep it secret and it's 
it's not bad. Some it's just a, but it's a mm-hmm. dumb monster movie. We talked a little bit about Cave last week. It's that kind of film. I mean, it's you know, yeah. But it's great though. It's such a it's such a harmless conventional fight for your life against guys in monster suits film that I was just like, yes, yes, let it wash over me. <laughs> you know what I mean? It I is, felt like I, yep. cause I kind of had, I felt like I traveled 15 years back into time where yeah. I, where these movies were safer bets for me than yeah. they are today. So a bit of an, a bit of an aperitif. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but not good, but, <laughs> but not yeah. bad and hey good job you know this guy mm-hmm. he does he did uh he did this he was supervised the special effects for like the loki series and he's like really really tied in in big big films and every once in a while he takes a few months off with his money and he makes sure. he makes a little movie and this just is just one of those that he, yeah. but the effects he even though it's very low budget the 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 atmosphere and the effects in it are not badly done. They're very well done. This is a dude who knows what stuff's supposed to look like before you put it in front of the camera. He knows mm-hmm. how to light it. He knows how to get the maximum impact out of even just a little bit of it. And that's to be admired. So I like him. I like a nice cheap B movie every once in a while. I like a nice B monster movie, which this was. It It's very ripped on again online as being this sort of failure, but I really believe most of that is just people don't like anything that's self-serious these days. And this movie sort of is, it really is sort of trying to teach you a lesson about this or mm-hmm. that. And people don't like that. Right. Um, okay. Let's move on to the boys. People from know County. their lessons. It's not that they don't believe in these things. It's that they know their lessons. And I think these days they don't much like their movies to be reiterating them to them. They want to be able right. to escape them. You know, right. I think that's what the Marvel era of movies is going to be looked back on is just get me out of here. Just get me out of here. I don't want to be confronted with any of this stuff. That's not to say that those films never do, but they almost never do. And because of that, there are these comforting blankets to us in this kind of troubled world. And Mm -hmm. I'm, I I don't like to abandon the world completely in my entertainment if I can help it. So I guess I feel differently. All right, let's move on to The Boys from County Hell. Hey, here's this starts off as sort of a horror comedy, but this gets dark really fast, too. Uh, it's a guy grew up on a farm that has a big pile of stones out in the middle of one of the fields, and there is a joke that there's some treasure buried there or something. It turns out it's some kind of weird vampire virus that doesn't necessarily suck your blood out through fangs. It's sort of... It's, it's like a blood magnet where it drains mm. you of your blood from a you know several feet away, which is a very grisly effect that you see take place several times. Um, what I liked about this better than, say, something like Werewolves Within, because it's not that different, but it's, it's I- Irish, and there's this local sort of authenticity to it that, that a film like that we mm-hmm. Americans would make don't don't have it really does have this sort of john lynch plays the the old farmer john lynch is a great actor he's probably most famous for secret garden maybe in the 90s or in the name of the father he's really really great and whenever he shows up he really sort of brings it on he was in a he was in a medieval horror film from a few years ago called the black death with eddie redmayne and sean bean he's fantastic in that too um 
he's old school Catholic Irish guy. And, you know, he, he brings a certain amount of authority and amount of hauntedness to it. But it's, it, it is not about him. It's about these kids, basically, and the trouble that they get into and this plague that they unleash on the earth and how they have to kind of stop it. It's, it's shocking in a horror comedy way, but the jokes don't come fast and furious. These mm. actors have the good sense, and I think the whole project has the good sense to, once the horror is upon us, to not just make light of it, I guess, if that makes sense. Right. Yeah, yeah. But it ain't great. It's a low-budget, weird Irish vampire story that's very gross and disgusting and... The funny bits aren't super funny, and the horror bits, again, are, are designed to be more shocking than they are to get under your skin or to confront you with, really. And for that reason, it loses some points in my book. But not terrible. I mean, it was okay. okay. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I was surprised. It, it was a bit of a bait and switch. The trailers really do sell it as this zany sort of Edgar Wright-styled horror show, and it it just really got serious really, really fast. Even if, even if the gags continued to be comedic, the actors really didn't, they didn't buy into that part of it, which I appreciated, but, sure. but it was not scary enough nor fun enough as a comedy to really recommend as either. So, eh. right. Um, let's move on to super, the dark, super and gross. The, okay. If you like that. Um, well, let's, let's move on to the dark and the wicked. The Dark and the Wicked was a two things that are really tough for some people to deal with. It was extremely dark, and it was very, very wicked. Um, <laughs> it's the story of these two kids traveling. I'm sorry, back. That, you got to you got to get we got to give you credit for that one. <laughs> what? That was brilliant. I love that you suckered me in. Like, okay, it has two, and then you went. It was very dark. It was very way. I you suckered me into it, and I got. Hey, give you full it's called the that. dark and the wicked, and it's super dark and wicked, Joel. I mean, you know, <laughs> oh, that it, made that one thing we know about modern movie audiences: they don't like to be fooled. And these titles, <laughs> you need to do something seriously, mm -hmm. like anything, do anything but watch this movie. It's right there in the title. No one gets out alive. It's like no shit. <laughs> um, you know. We gotta do something. We gotta do something, which implies they don't do anything. <laughs> it does, doesn't it? It really does imply that. That's a fair implication that a rather terrible movie is making right in the title. <laughs> the dark and the wicked is really dark and wicked. It's super dark and it's really super wicked. It really is. I, I, I yes, I sort of meant that as a joke, but I didn't really mean it as a joke because it. It, that's what it is. It's the story of an evil spirit that is coming through a catatonic and dying father of this family. And the two kids are trying to deal with it. And they can't because you can't... First of all, you can't deal with somebody who's dying but won't die but isn't themselves anymore. It, that mm -hmm. whole idea is tragic and awful. The fact that it's driving everybody to murderous insanity around them and the fact that once you've been exposed to it, there's no place you can go where it won't follow you and there's no life it's not willing to destroy to get its kicks is just wicked. It really mm -hmm. is. And that's the experience of watching this movie. It's, it's dark and wicked. It's really, really well made, well shot, you know, well conceived, but really, really, 
really leaves you feeling awful. It is a really terrible film in that way. And that's what it wants to do. So I'm not saying it's bad, but that one gets a big warning sign from Ryan because I, when that movie was over, I just felt gutted. I just felt like, ugh. Ugh. Blah. And, and I still feel that way just when I sit here and think about it. So there you go. Nice. All right. Next up is in. Well, just think the... about that. What it, you know, they're waiting. They're trying to get rid of the farm. They're waiting for their father to die. Like the whole thing is just horrible. And it's not that they're mean about it. It's that they need some relief. They're anchored to this horrible situation. And then when you add onto that real evil, it, it just is awful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just don't know how to put it. It's so awful. <laughs> it's so dark and so wicked. and there it is yeah uh, <laughs> all right next up is in the earth another uh uh you know e- uh, nature is a force of evil by ben wheatley uh, who is an uh, english director that i just think is the coolest dude ever although he is truly not for everybody his last horror movie was a story of a bunch of people uh abandoning the crown during the oliver cromwell revolution in england and they're deserters essentially and they're making their way through the country to try and get back to their home without getting caught and hung and they're starving so but they find some mushrooms and they cook them up and eat them one night and then all hell breaks loose in their lives <laughs> That one is called A Field in England. It is <laughs> A Field in England. Talk about... <laughs> you, know, they, you know what they call... Uh, uh, the, you know how we have like... Uh, what do they call it in the Sunny D commercials? Purple stuff. And there's yeah, orange, purple stuff. Orange yeah. stuff. And there's, you know... They call, mm-hmm. I don't. We have names for those. I can't remember what they're called, but they're, that's obviously a legit thing. The, the purple drink in the milk carton container. Over in in England, they have one kind of orange drink, and it's literally called orange drink. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is an old Bill Hicks routine. Orange drink. It's it's so it's so plain and generic and socialist. And, and uh, frankly, we took our cues from that when we called this because we were trying to think of clever names, and we came up with a few that maybe were serviceable and maybe would have served us better. Even Joel, <laughs> in particular, came up with some for the show. And I just kept thinking, God, if unless it's really, really funny or really, really great, we should just call it the movie show. <laughs> <Joel and Ryan. laughs> because at least that's not a lie. You know, it's, right. it's it, it is socialistly plain and boring. But it, you know, if you can't call something su- something super witty, then at least call it what it is. And that was yeah. why I, I fell on that and uh, sort of. Well, and in the early days, we really played up the idea that the movie show with Joel and Ryan is a, is a podcast about two guys sitting on a couch whilst talking about movies. About movies, right. Just the yeah. whole idea that, that it is what it says. A field in yeah. England is, I mean, I love that because it doesn't, it is not fair. That doesn't tell you the whole story at all, but it's just so plain and simple <laughs> And in the earth, it's equally like it's the same. In the earth, if you're in the right headspace, if you're a, like, I don't want to sell this as some zany Dudley Moore style Monty Python comedy because it's mm-hmm. from a very different generation. But but there, it is out there. 
and it knows it is, and it is occasionally in a comedic way. There's a scene where a guy's got this gangrenous toe. This is another eco-horror movie where they... Read the premise, will you, from IMDb? It's got a great two-sentence yeah, yeah. setup. I was just there, and I just switched off it. Um, let me go back to it here. It is... As the world searches for a cue, as the world searches for a cure to a disastrous virus, a scientist and a park scout venture deep in the forest for a routine equipment run. Um, Sounds that, harmless enough, right? Yeah, a, totally. A, a, like yeah, there's a scene in it where a guy, one of that, one of our heroes, has a gangrenous toe, and the guy that they've shacked up with out in this tent in the wilderness is like, "Well, we can either." And he goes through the, it's really funny. We all do this when we're giving our kids options or we're running through the choices with our spouse. If we have a preference, we're like, well, we could, you know, rig up some sort of sled and haul you through the wilderness and get you to some kind of hospital where they could do some sort of procedure on here. And maybe mm -hmm. you could save your toe or I could just cut off your foot at the ankle. <laughs> and he's already got the axe in his hand you know when he says when he gives the guy this options and his his <laughs> this it's a comedy of errors him trying to cut off this guy's foot and the guy freaking out and trying to argue about it um you can't call it anything but that but the movie's darker than that and its ideas to be fair to it are deeper than that it's ecological and yeah societal ideas it, it it's very moody when there aren't people involved as soon as the people show up it becomes very jabbery and very goofy but so i just ben wheatley i just don't know what to say i, I just feel like pe people who hate him really really hate him the closest thing to a Hollywood movie he did was this shootout movie that had Brie Larson and Army Hammer and like a whole army of recognizable faces in it. Um, Free Fire, I believe it's called. And it really is just a bunch of gangsters all showing up at a place at the same time. And because one guy starts shooting, they're all shooting at each other for the rest of the film. Mm -hmm. The whole film is a shootout, essentially. There's some dialogue. There's some little truces and breaks in the action. There's alliances that switch around but they're all hiding in this warehouse shooting at each other that's the movie and he's what he's trying to say about that isn't entirely clear but and that's the part that may frustrate people but he is trying to tell us something you know that there there's something that inspires that that's more than what it is and that's what in the earth is i i, I was never bored within the earth i thought it was pretty great especially compared to something like gaia which was much more higher-minded, I thought, but mm -hmm. but a little duller and a little more pedantic because it was a little bit more heavy-handed. This film, the lightness of it, actually brings the meaning home better, which is very much an English sort of thing. Th this yeah. film, compared to Boys from County Hell, really, really worked. But it's going to annoy people because tonally it's all over the place. It's literally, right. it's truly all over the place. Um, all right. Up next is another. Uh, this is uh, uh, Neil Blomkamp. Uh, I almost said Blumhouse, but it's not. It's Neil Blomkamp. Yeah. Uh, these are all too. Is, not all of them, but many of these in the in the earth. This. These are all made during the pandemic in these sort of special ways. So Neil Blomkamp 
wanted this movie to be made, but he didn't think this was going to be his next movie. This is the guy who made Elysium and mm-hmm. District 9 and uh, Chappie, the robot movie. Um, he's a South African director. This film was all shot in Vancouver Sound in in Canada with Carly Pope, who's basically like a WCW TV star. Pretty good actor, yep. though. Um, so it's modest. She... She, and it's called, it's called, I haven't said the name, I don't believe. It is called Demonic. Demonic. And it's, mm-hmm. it's a neat idea, but it's sort of a dull TV show telling of it. Mm. So I didn't think, it's weird because with Blomkamp, you'd think it'd be the other way around. You'd think his pandemic era film would be a cheap, quick idea that was made really, really well by a world-class director. And it's the opposite. Mm. It's a very interesting idea about a woman. It reminded me conceptually, it's nothing like this stylistically, but it reminded me of that movie, The Cell, where Jennifer Lopez goes into Vincent D'Onofrio's serial killer's mind. And she's literally in there in his mind, investigating these serial killings. And that's, what's it like? That's a great challenge for a filmmaker what is it like inside a demented person's brain what i can run wild with that tar sim that that director did literally run wild with it he went crazy he went so crazy with it that the idea of it was lost in the end it was so overwhelming from a oral and visual standpoint this film's more subtle she visits she goes they put her under in this sciencey way and she visits her mother and in her brain, she finally getting her tell her mother to f off because she thought her mother went crazy and abandoned her as a kid. And but what she finds is that it might be a lot more complicated than that. And then again, the name—it's I'm not going to spoil it because I don't want to do that. But the the title does it for you, really. What's going on? It it's a film that if I we sat and did the did the um we never will but if we sat and did the um deep dive on it and went through it <laughs> bit by bit it would sound really great it's just not really super well done it's it's really modest it has a very mm-hmm. t- t- you know shot in canada sort of tv style approach to it the material and so it's not very good it's just blomkamp didn't make a very good movie which is weird Right, but the story is interesting, and if the story interests you, or you some somehow some kind of Carly Pope fan, uh, you should watch it. It's not bad, and it's palatable. Mm-hmm. It's not. It's got its moments. It's a horror movie, but it's not super gross or overwhelming in any of those aspects. Demonic. Cool. Demonic. It's also right, next up- it's also one of thirty movies named Demonic. What a dumbass thing to call it at this point. It was just a horror movie four years ago called Demonic. I mean, what right. are you doing? You're gonna the people are gonna mix your movie up with that movie. You know that, right? Do do better than that, honestly. Uh, all right. So now we have uh, the latest Max Landis film. I'd say the same thing for the host, but just can't stay mad at you host you were so fun and, we and love awesome you. we love you host i know you're great um too. all right max landis uh gives us shadow in the cloud <laughs> well i don't mean to be so effusive about the two dumb monster movies they are super dumb all right so let's get that out of the way at the same time again an hour and a half it's a story where chloe grace moretz plays this world war ii shuttle pilot uh, who is on a top secret mission with a box 
what's in the box, Joel. That's big MacGuffin of the story. She's on a she, she hitches a ride on a B twelve bomber from New Zealand with a New Zealand crew and, with this box and gets trapped in the belly gun of the B twelve during takeoff while something is out on the wing of the plane tearing the engines apart. Does this sound familiar? A little bit. It's like a combination of three different movies that it completely rips off. But it it, it rips them off in loving fashion, which I can appreciate. It's definitely a gremlin on the wing monster movie, but there's a little more going on to it that I appreciated. It's got top, it's cheap, but it's got top flight production values. The B-12 is, it looks really cool. I'm a big fan of the B-12 bomber missions, but this film is a, is a direct and it's impossible. The physics of it are absurd and stupid. Just be warned. You're going to see mm. things that are literally not possible. And when you, <laughs> when you think you've seen something that's the most impossible thing you could ever see, it shows you something even more impossible always right around the corner. So, you know, it's dumb. It's rock dumb. But it knows it. It's not – it knows it. It's trying to be a big, bold, dumb entertainment. And on that level, with me, at least it worked because it's not really like any other movies on this list. It's, if it didn't have a monster in it, which it does, very much have one. But if it didn't, it wouldn't even be a horror movie, really. But you know, at the the gremlin, such as it is, is really well done. The aerial sequences are fun. The dog fights are fun. The actors are good enough. She's really good, obviously. But mm-hmm. the rest of them are not in her class, but they do their best, and and. It's, it's cool. It's got tons of uh, single camera setups that are all really impossible to, which are enjoyable. She goes on this. Uh, it, it ruins it to say, but it, there's lots yeah. of long uninterrupted. They're all faked, I'm sure, digitally, but they nevertheless they're long uninterrupted shots of complete mayhem, which are entertaining. So, and it looks to be available on Hulu. Shadow in the Cloud. I mean, that's fun. Fun monster movie. Fun World War II era mission, top secret mission monster movie. Well, there you go. Oh, that is a good looking gremlin. Okay. Um, All right. Next up is uh, Oxygen. It's it's not spoiling anything to say there's a gremlin in the movie. I mean, it's right there. Yeah. The the movie reveals that a little bit slowly and deliberately to you, but the, the, the film starts out with an old it's not a real one, but they used to have these old cartoon instructional cartoons for different military people during the war. It starts out with a, this is what you do when there's a gremlin on your plane one, which is really funny and a nice touch. Max Landis, he's in trouble right now for being an asshole to people, but he's a fairly clever writer. And this film shows that sense of fun and that sense of cleverness. Right. It's his other movie, the Frankenstein movie with Daniel Radcliffe and, uh, James McAvoy. It's along those lines in terms of quality. It's not great, but it's at least as good as that movie. Sure. Okay. Uh, n- uh, next up is another uh, Netflix film. We have Oxygen by Alexandra Asia. This is a French movie, so it's pretty much entirely mm-hmm. in French. Um, it's about a woman who wakes up inside some high tech coffin. And where is she and what's going on? And how does she get out? Is she in a hospital? Where is she? No escape. No memory, 90 minutes to live. But it's Melanie Laurent. So 
it's a top flight actor, but it's really is a buried alive movie. If you've ever seen those, they take it mm-hmm. entirely. They take place entirely inside a box. And you just, you, if you're claustrophobic, they work really great on that level. And there's a mystery. And because she's in some sort of future, she's in like a Intellibox, you know, there's a computer yeah. in there and there's a bunch of displays and, um, but the computers is there to serve, but, isn't particularly helpful. So it's an interesting movie. I, I enjoyed oxygen a lot. I don't know that it's a horror movie. It's a buried alive movie. So I suppose it is, but, but is it, I I don't know. It's more of a sci-fi movie, but it, it, it intense and it fits this time of year. So, and we try not to get too hung up on those distinctions. Honestly, it's not a, there aren't spaceship battles and crap like that in it. So, you know, yeah. Um, it's a lot, tighter but the film it reminded me of is one of my favorite sort of lower budget uh which i'm not going to remember the name either because it's got some goofy name joel why did they i guess i told them not to call themselves demonic and stuff well yeah well at least just that's one sec. Uh, memorable. Right here. i just mm-hmm. have to look at it pandorum oh pandorum right Pandorum actually pretty big in scale. That's a guy on an abandoned spaceship trying to figure out what's going on, Ben Foster. But uh, this really is you just you stay in the box, folks. Um, but it has that same sense of mystery and disorientation to it, and it's got a really good actor again selling it at the heart of the thing. And Alexander Asia's, uh, you know, he's not famous for his great sci-fi. He's a, a horror aficionado. He's a top horror director. Uh, director of Hot Tension and and amongst many other things, the Piranha 3D and Mirrors and the Hills Have Eyes remake. But he's, he's a, oh and the the uh, plucky woman versus crocodile during a hurricane film, alligators. Sorry, crocodiles. Mm, right. right from a couple years ago, which was a fantastic. Yeah, what was that survival one? film? Um, yeah, I remember that one. It also had a great name that was just what it was with yeah and i remember i remember the poster because it was like looking down a hallway through a door frame and you see like the back of the alligator swimming by (laughs) and um that's a fun movie yeah so he's Um, a good i mean he's a good director he doesn't always make good movies i think mirrors is who hokum i think uh the piranha remake is unacceptable but because that movie could have been scary and then it would have been good but he didn't bother just too bad correct i mean that's all you had to do just actually make just actually make a piranha movie as good as you can you had you had the power to do that you had a couple of scenes where it could have been that way and you just you decided to take the foot completely off the gas and just show us bloody mayhem for no reason and that that sucked the power out of that because even joe dante's piranha which is as jokey and hokey as it can be when it tries to deliver scares, it tries to deliver monster style scares. You had to at minimum do that and you didn't. Right. But his, his alligator survivor movie is great. This survival in a, uh, a telebox movie is fantastic too. So I liked oxygen. That was actually the first movie I watched this season. Well, there you go. Um, all right. Up next is, um, well, this would be, uh, if oxygen was the first movie you watched as part of this, the movie that you watched last as part of this is our next movie. Army of army of of the dead. Uh, it's a zombie heist movie by Zack Snyder. It's, uh, all, it's almost as long as Dune. Uh, 
Is it really? Yeah, dude. Seriously. It had, did Zach, okay, I think I've been very charitable to you on the show this year. I you think have, anyone you have, you I have think been anyone very, very, anywhere very would say that I've been Team Snyder, truly. And I maybe I will stay so, but do you, does your zombie heist movie have to be two and a half hours? I mean, for real. It's just, uh, it's absurdly overpacked and overstuffed with stupidity. I, I really, really frustrating. I, it's really, really frustrating that a movie that, that's this light on its feet is that huge and ponderous. This is a film where not a single person, save one, doesn't die in slow motion. <laughs> they all die in super slow motion. I mean, are you trying to... Are you just trolling us at this point? I don't get it. Uh, Dave Bautista turned down participating in the Suicide Squad to be in this. Uh, although I really think the Suicide... I think that's overblown. I think the Suicide Squad gig was a uh, cameo at best. And this is the starring role where he gets to play this tortured father. You know, and he gets to really bite, dig his teeth into something. I think he's an actor who likes... At this point, wants to be able to do that. I think the the era of the professional wrestler turned funny actor, like we're beyond that. Dave's done enough meaningful stuff now with a lot of integrity that we can say, you know, it's still, it's still, if, you know, if this film had a genre, I would still call it Batista. Because <laughs> Batista as a genre is something I have totally fully bought into now since I bought that. Dave Bautista, Britney Snow, Survival during World War III film, which I thought was super fun. Um, and and who online, we told this story, online the guy, all he did was like starring Bautista. <laughs> Bautista. Uh, synopsis, Bautista, tagline, Bautista. But my favorite was <laughs> genre. Bautista. Bautista. It's the, the Bautista genre. And I have to say, yeah, you uh, pretty much nailed it. That's the proper genre. I'm not for adding new genres. I think we have too many as it is, but I can't deny. I can't deny it. And if you like Dave, he's good in this. And it's not bad. It's zombie kills. It's got an interesting take on the zombies. But it's it's very, again, it's very horror comedy-ish, but it doesn't really have the balls to full-out be a comedy. And in that way, it sort of fails. So what you're really left with is a kind of grisly and horrific thing that it's, in the end, wants you to take a little seriously. But it's been so kind of tonally goofy throughout that you have a hard time doing that when the big ending comes. As far yeah. as heist movies, it's fun. Uh, it's got Tig Notaro in it as a crazy helicopter pilot. And what's not fun about that? It's got Garrett Dillahunt as a, as a corporate stooge security guy. I mean, that's fun. Yeah, there's it's fun stuff, but it's just this is an hour and 40 minutes movie tops. And it's it, there's no reason for it to be 40 minutes longer than that. It's crazy to me. It's yeah. huge film. It's so big in a, such unnecessary ways, you know, and he keeps talking about, well, it's a natural follow up to my Dawn of the Dead movie. No, your Dawn of the Dead movie has no slow motion in it. When somebody gets punch right, and they he fall was the back one... into a bathtub you feel like it really happened in front of your eyes there's nothing overly choreographed about it and there's nothing sentimentalized about it you mm -hmm. needed to get back to that kind of movie at some point you got to prove yeah. you can do it Snyder, I mean, Snyder was the it. one who gave us fast zombies 
Yes. You, well, yeah. and so no, that was really Danny Boyle in the twenty. Oh, that's later. right. Twenty days later, gave us. But I mean, he really popular. Oh well, I mean, he, that was the, the big that infected. Was, yeah, that was the uh, 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 but that was the big takeaway of his remake of the Romero is like, no, no, no. yeah, that it, the story is roughly the same, but this time the zombies are fast, right? And uh, but he didn't yeah, give so. us fast zombies that the no, truly, you're right, they 28 come... days later did that, um, yeah. a couple years earlier. But uh, Dawn of the Dead's great, you know, and we, our buddy Michael, you know him, resident horror expert Michael, he said he turned this off about 30 minutes into it. I don't think it's that bad. It just isn't good. It's, it's so mm-hmm. much explosions and so much carnage and so many decapitations and so much just, you know, just millions just thrown up on the screen. And to, for what? This, you got to ask yourself before you start the movie that question. And this movie feels like it never really knew. It, it wants to be fun, and it, to some degree it is, but it's... Ugh. I struggle with it. I, I struggle yep. with it. I don't think it's good. I, I don't think you can completely write it off either. But And zombie movies, guys, give it up. Give it yep. up. You really, if you're going to do any sort of zombie movie at this point, you really got to have a reason. If it's zombies, you just got to, there's got to be, you got to have a new take on it. It's getting so old, so old, even in this, and this isn't the worst zombie thing. This is, matter of fact, if we listed them in order, this would be, it wouldn't be near the top, but it would be securely in the top half because at least it's a well done, accomplished film, good music, you know. Big time effects, big time scale. Uh, but it, it's um, not. It's really disappointing. Um, let, that, let's move on. That this yeah, was his don't... pandemic era film that he came yeah. up with. Um, Fun story. It... Tig Notaro shot this almost entirely from her home Man. and was yeah. digitally inserted in it at great. Yeah, how, how does that? I was going to I was going to ask you. Uh, I didn't know if you we were going to bring this up or not, but uh, I was going to ask you how that. Uh, how that looks. Seem- how it's inver- Zack Snyder. It's seamless. It's, it's seamless. Yeah. It's it's yeah. like she's there. Yeah. She, reading she a she different replaced- character's lines and interacting with people who interacted with a different actor on set, and it's yeah. it's seamless. And she's yeah. not only that. Uh, Chris Delia, who's a pretty good actor, you know, who again is 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 uh, not available for work right now for various non-movie related (laughs) reasons yeah um yeah being a jerk yeah you know they could have left him in the movie and uh, and they chose not to so i think they kind of made the right choice and take great in it like she really is great but she couldn't they couldn't reshoot anything with her she's a two-time cancer survivor she's a big time at-risk person who couldn't be on a movie set during this era and um they made it work anyway. That's a feather in their cap because she is really delightfully fun in it. She's what you expect. She just really delivers that stuff. They come up to her and she's like, she's standing there. He's like, hey, I've got something I got to ask you. She's like, yeah, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. Right, he says, uh, there's there's $2 million in you for it. She's like, what? $2 million? I'll do it. He's like, no, no, hear me out. You got to hear what it is first. She's like, I don't need to hear what it is. My life's terrible. I want the $2 million. He's like, well, but you, I think you should hear what it entails before you agree. And she's like, what? It entails that you need a helicopter pilot, right? I get it. Two million bucks. Sign me up. It's, just, <laughs> it's a fantastic scene and her whole personality. So 
I was just ripping on it because I feel like I feel like on this scale you just gotta do better. You have to do better than this. It's not acceptable that you're that you're relaxing in that you're that I don't like that. You have gotta do better. Make a good movie. Make the best movie you can. It doesn't feel like you even tried to do that here. It feels like this movie was a vacation, and I hate that yeah. feeling. But yeah. it does have its charms. I mean. It's got some extremely grisly kills that you don't typically see in a zombie movie. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not in it for the kills, but some people are. They like that stuff. This one, as far as shocking comedy kills go, this is much, much better than aforementioned films. But I didn't like it. All right. Sorry. Let's, um, Spent let's way move too on. Much time on that. Yep. Let's move on to uh, Is it true that uh, M. Night Shyamalan in his movie Old? has a character named mid-sized sedan yeah he's a he's a rapper get it yeah it works Kim, does it well that's not really his name but that's his name it's fun it's funny. no i know but that's that's his that's his funny that's, that's his, his non-deplume name his name's brandon or something <laughs> sedan Okay. That's the deal breaker for you. It's, it's trust me. That's not the weirdest thing about this movie by a long shot. Um, to me, that's just that's just that's just brutally horrible, lazy, cheap. That's a cheap joke. Well, let's uh, think of what these uh, hip hop artist names are, Joel. They're uh, they're off the cuff, it's odd. This is some writer's a ch- shot at trying to make that. That's all. Okay. All right. I mean, I don't know. I can't. I don't have a list in front of me. But if we went through <laughs> the names, you know, they're goofy. That's the whole point of them. This guy and this guy when he appears on screen, that's the. If the joke is anything, it's that he's got this goofy, stupid name, and he's anything but a goofy guy. He's this sort of tortured guy who went on this vacation because he's sick, and you know, like there's nothing about him that's that, and that's sort of the thing that's playing that said i I don't want to give old too much credit this is rather classic late period Shyamalan. it's it's a survival tale where the characters are all given meaningful writerly character things to do and yet they really do feel like, I appreciate that. I appreciate the effort to give them their stories, to give them their time on screen, to create the relationships between them that make sense. The, the, you know, even his worst movies do that. The Happening does it. Um, mm-hmm. it. But old, it's weird. They're in this weird place where they're growing old very, very quickly. I don't think it's wrong to say that or to ruin that for you. And that's the problem no, that they have. No, that's implied it's, by... Yeah, it's not I... really a solvable problem. It's a... It's a good old-fashioned, unescapable place where this terrible thing is happening to you that you can't stop, and and all kinds of crazy things happen that could never happen in a real movie or, or a real story because of this high concept. And I thought on that level it worked really great. I was never ever bored with it. I just felt like it was it 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 was more even these last couple films that he did. Uh, glass and uh, the one before that like this felt more like a throwback to like the happening this was a lot of mm. Shyamalan style dialogue and Shyamalan style character conflict which was all about more than 
the people themselves. So the people didn't ring super true to me and that's where I think it fell down. But it, it still, I really did appreciate that it did all that work. And that the, like I say, that the increased aging, you know, if you're aging, however, you know, whatever, you're aging about a hundred years for every three days. So that's how fast you're going through the life cycle and the things that you go through, the people that experience dimension, people who lose their eyesight, like there's all these complications just to this basic escape plot this escape room plot to the story that I thought were very clever. So I was happily diverted by that film, but I can't call it a great film. I, I just, I feel like Joel just pointed out one of them, which I didn't even think was a big deal, but there are too many things like that, that are laughable and that make you kind of go, oh, okay, whatever. Yeah. And too many, there can be a couple, but the, you're kind of confronted with one every 15 minutes or so. And, that's too much, but I thought it was fun. It's fun. It's a weird, goofy film, you know. Um. Okay. So the James rather Wan, creepy concept, the way we break down yeah. and disintegrate in front of each other, you know. Yeah. That worked. I mean, that's what he had to nail, and he, at least he nailed that part. And the reason it's happening is will <laughs> make your blood turn cold, like the yeah. where's and why for's of it, which a, a better movie wouldn't have shared with you this movie goes all in on that explains it all to you and it's awful so there you go yeah um all right so uh this next one uh, is malignant this was the toast of the horror hounds town malignant this year people horror fans loved malignant Mm. um by james wan who made the conjuring he made the first saw movie he made the insidious films he just made aquaman joel's favorite superhero film of course yes and (laughs) um it's much more the it's not insidious or the conjuring it's much much more the aquaman of horror movies uh for sure it has an absolutely audacious horror i killer idea at the heart of it um that could have been great in a spooky way. He's really good with the spooks, man. If you walk into a room and there's just something sitting on the couch and you can't tell what it is, James Wan, I mean, he, he's so good at that. He's so good at that. The first half of the first Insidious film is one of the most terrifying things I've ever seen. It's when he starts, it's when he goes for the big finale or the big action scenes where, to me, things just get, artificial and start to fall apart you know that shadow in the darkness man he's got there's a little bit of that in this but not nearly enough for my taste we move on from that into what i can only and i'm sorry if this is wrong but it isn't wrong we move into rather high speed um cg killing machine territory and when once we get there it's all lost to me and it's mm. it's it, it's not that i didn't like malignant or i didn't think it was a neat idea i did it has one of the creepiest last shots in film history which is not a mistake but it is creepy because it's super weird and corny after what you've just watched like i said i don't think that's a mistake I just think it. the movie knows it's a lark. It knows it's a put-on. It knows it's a goof. Um, it, it's as good a goof and a put-on and a, and a you know what I mean, a bait-and-switch as you're going to find, probably. So yeah. I, I'm i I'm endorsing it with reservations because it just, it, it doesn't, it, it, 
It just yeah. doesn't, it's, you know, we talked about like how Invisible Man last year was really clicking. And then when it was about an Invisible Man, when it became about an unstoppable stabby killing machine, it just became stupid. I mean, the whole movie basically just fell apart at that point. This exact same thing happens in this film. But, but it's, it's neat. It's off the hook. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. It is like a Stuart Gordon sort of way. It's, it's crazy. It's crazy film. With crazy ideas. I wish it were spookier and more serious so that I could love it, but I couldn't because it was so goofy. But it wasn't bad goofy. Super violent, though, be warned. Yeah. Huge, massive body count. And this really bloody mess of a film at the end. Okay. Next up, we have uh, the sequel to one of the surprise hits of a couple of years ago. Uh, 2018 Uh, John Krasinski's A Quiet Place Part Do you like A Quiet Place? I did Did you like A Quiet Place Part 2? I thought that was fine Yeah I didn't like it as much as the first one Yeah but a pretty Um, decent Prequel slash sequel Cross cut uh, Absolutely Telling of a similar type of story That has a slightly different meaning to it Would you agree? Yeah Yeah yeah, I mean it's it's I mean it's good. Uh, the the you know the thing, the thing about a quiet place and a quiet place. You know, it, again, this is you're putting, you're you're putting kids in danger. It, the the danger feels very real. Uh, it's it's very parental, uh, and you know, and you're just Krasinski like, said he sort of rewrote this script that had this great central idea. He didn't come up with the idea, but he sort of rewrote the script to exercise all of his fears that he had as a parent of needing to protect his children and all these insecurities going on. I think most parents experience something on that level. This was him. This was his, his expressing of that. And I think you feel that when you're watching that first movie, this movie's more about what is our responsibility to each other? Who do we help and why? Right. Um, That's an interesting idea as well. And I think it comes through the film. So I think the two movies together are a neat pair um, I don't think the new movie reinvents itself in any sort of way. It's similar sequences, similar settings, but it it it's worthy enough to let's do it all again. I guess I, I think if you're mm-hmm. going to do a third one, you're going to have to do something different. But yeah, yeah, and are, I hope they, they don't do a third one. Krasinski I didn't want to make either. a sequel. He didn't want Quiet Place to be a franchise. Like that's the last thing you thought. He thought that would just diminish it, and it and you're. Uh, this is Jaws look, two of a Quiet Place films. It's it does diminish it. It doesn't completely diminish it yet, but yeah. you're already starting down that path to this idea is not good enough for five films. So let us yeah, it let looks please like, move on. What I do not it, it looks like there there's a spinoff film that is being uh being in the that's put in the works right now, and. And apparently Emily Blunt did say that Krasinski had a, an idea for a potential third uh, installment, but I hope that they don't do it. Well, or I hope they have the balls to stop at a trilogy. I don't know what to say. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, yeah. eh. I did. I, I mean, liked it. It was good. It was what I wanted. Like, I wanted the conventional thrills along the yeah. same lines as the first movie. That's what you get. Yeah. Ain't bad. I, it just, yeah. I, the the yeah i mean i i i figured if I, I made it through i mean i liked the first film the first one was very difficult to watch as a dad uh and you know i it, it which was the point of it right i mean which was the point absolutely absolutely it was 
but it, it, it is that it's that you're a parent just trying to keep these kids alive. And, and especially when um, one of the kids has extra needs, um, you know, and, and the extra needs are complete, are, uh, are directly at odds with what has to happen in order to stay alive in this. Uh, so yeah, it's partly how they do stay alive because they have some tools it, yeah. that some other families don't have. Yeah. And that's how we, yeah. Now we have, uh, so it's both cause you're right. This film mm -hmm. again, demonstrates that if, what, you know, how mm -hmm. sort of out on a ledge you are at the same time, how you're capable of doing some stuff that other people maybe wouldn't be capable of. It's yep. kind of has it both ways, which is kind of neat. Um, so yeah, so I, I mean, and I, I kind of, I'm like, I want to, I, I am curious to see how, and I like how they just, you know, it's essentially it, it, um, it, you know, we didn't, we, we get Krasinski in a flashback, but no, it's the, the, the repercussions of the first movie are very real and the knowledge gained from the first movie is very real and put to, put to use. So yeah, I, I mean, I liked it too. I, um, uh, you know, so, all right, let's, uh, here we go. Uh, next up. The Conjuring, the devil made me do it. Mm. <laughs> That's From how I want the Conjuring universe. The These Conjuring. I don't know about uh, the Annabelle <laughs> movies. That's a trilogy now. Mm -hmm. I did like La Lorna a little bit, and I really liked The Nun because The Nun was period, and it took place in an old abandoned church, and it had all those trappings that I like. Took place in Europe. It's a little different. Um, although still a stupid jump scare movie, but at least the setting was like a little extra bonus for me. I like the Conjuring movies though. I mean, either like them or you don't. I get people who are sick of them or think they're dumb, but there's a moment in the first Conjuring movie where it's just two girls in their beds in their bedroom and they just believe something is behind the door and we never see it and it, nothing jumps out at you and nothing even happens. And yet their fear is our fear. That's the empathy of horror movies working on you. And that, that scene scared me those kids thought there was something there so i thought there was something there right. and you know and that's enough and that's the level these work on the ed and lorraine um what's their last name ed warren warren the warrens you know i don't know what you can read about them what their real life story is but these films turn them into um paranormal investigative heroes basically and this film it's a little different than the first two which were both these very famous hauntings this film's not about a haunting it's about a murder that we see takes place and it's about a trial of that murder and it's very much about the these two characters they're very much at the heart of it they're not the they're not the max von Sydow's who come at the end to fix everything they're they're being attacked by this stuff in this yeah. and that's a nice yeah. escalation but it it also ruins what is the best modest pleasures of the originals which are these hauntings and the families that they affect and the real lives that are at stake and torn asunder by the events that we don't really have that in here in this film the deed is done kind of at the beginning of the movie and you, the rest of it is aftermath but and James Wan didn't direct this, obviously. He was busy directing Malignant, which is a different kind of yeah. film altogether. But it, it wasn't bad. I think those are fine, and I think this is more of the same, even if it's not as good. But it does show you that this, this formula has lasted a long time for them. They should be very proud. That's because of good filmmaking. That's the only way that happens. But they really are... It's wearing thin now, so this is definitely... It's right. been showing signs of that for a bit, but... This definitely shows that. It's, 
this and it feels like a culmination and an ending to it all. We'll see if it is actually that. And sure. Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga are just great in these roles. They really are. Yeah, they and they clearly love playing them. Yeah, they, they really are good in it. And this film is a really is about them in a way the others aren't, and that was mm. neat, a neat change. But the more you go down that road, the more ridiculous is all going to start to feel, and it already feels pretty ridiculous. So. Um, all right. Our final entry into this, uh, this, uh, list of terror for the year is a movie, a, a, a laugh riot, a, um, a lighthearted romp called the night house. The night house almost isn't a horror movie at all. It's almost like a psychological thriller. It really, that's where it wants to be, but it has stuff in it that can, can you know, can it can only be a horror movie really with certain things in it certain lines that it crosses uh but it's great it's it's just a festival sort of studio independent film it's got rebecca hall at the heart of it rebecca hall is fantastic and it's just great to see her in a movie worthy of her after godzilla versus kong and Iron Man 3 and just stuff where it's like anybody could have been this. You don't need Rebecca mm -hmm. for this. Leave. I get that she gets to have a nicer house because of those types of movies. I don't progress that. <laughs> right. But what you guys, what a waste of her. What an utter waste. And this is film. This is just great. She starred in a similar period movie to this. It was one of my favorite ghost stories of the recent years called Awakening, which is she plays a a uh, sort of seance debunker post-World War One, like, you know, spiritual debunker, basically. She writes about how uh, and exposes all these con artists and stuff. And she's brought out to this orphanage school where they're hoping they will debunk these weird things that are happening. And the weird things that are happening are just too weird. And they're happening. So she has a hard time debunking them. It's a, it, it's a great little English movie that I really, really like a lot. This is a lot like that. This is a woman who's thought she was the damaged one in a relationship with the, her husband and her husband just rows a boat out in the middle of the lake they live on and shoots himself in the head and this doesn't happen in the movie we we begin the movie where this has just happened and she's dealing with this and she doesn't as a result of that incident it's more than just the loss of it although mourning and loss is a big part of it the bigger part of it is the lack of trust in the fact that she thought she thought they were something and they weren't, they were something else. And he mm -hmm. was something else altogether. And it's the movies about her investigation of that and the toll that it takes on her psychologically. And I won't go any further to say that, except it's on this list of 24 films. It is the best made, best acted, uh, most creative movie here. It's, it's really is outstanding, but probably a little different and a little, the horrors are probably a little, more real than people like when they're just yeah. wanting to watch a spooky ghost story. This is sort of the former, but it's much, much more than that. And it, it's a tough one. And, and it doesn't leave you in a very comforting place either. I'm not really spoiling much by saying that. I don't think. Um, so, tr you know, when trust is eroded, when your knowledge is broken down, when you don't believe yourself, your own beliefs, the whys and wherefores, like it, it's a really disorienting and awful place to find yourself. And this film is 
it's about that metaphorically. And then, then, then when it has these extra things sort of piled on top of that, these extra impossible things, it's yeah. just very impactful film and really artfully done and just really smart. And, and Rebecca Hall is, man, yeah. she's so good. She's so she's, good. The powerhouse yeah. performance from her. It, it, yeah. It, it reading the synopsis, it's, um, yeah, it's, it is, as they say. That's creepy. Yeah, very. Yeah. So that's 24 um, horror movies for you. 24 horror movies. There you go. You can uh, you can extend your Halloween season, your creepy season, if you would like. You can go into November if that's what you like. Or you can tag this uh, this podcast and save it for next October 1st. And you can uh, watch uh, all 24 of these as we lead up to next year's list of spooky movies. Um, it's up to you. Yep, it's up to you. And, you know, we gave you... Uh, mama gone? Yep, so, you know, that, that in itself right there. Um, all right, before we wrap up the show, let's... Uh, how about we say we just give a couple, a couple hot takes? Let's get some hot takes. 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 All right. We'll try and make right, this just, quick. Yeah, these these are really quick. Uh, you know, they're they're hot takes, and Ryan will will give you his I've been uh, motor he, mouthing at you for almost two hours. I'll try and make yep. these as quick as I can. So okay, uh, two of these are just plain old halloween hot takes like the halloween the holiday not that not the movie and i do have Let's one go. final then i want. um all right uh here we go this is from nah it's just alex on twitter nice alex. uh his, i like i like that straightforward name that you yep. have there very cool uh his hot halloween take is that full-size candy bars are a burden they take up real estate. King size is just a decadent commitment. A white elephant, really. With small candies, I can move around and try it all like tapas. I'm zooming. Light on my feet. Yeah. And that's it. That's a, yeah. Are you, do you, do you like getting the, the big, like, were you excited when you saw full-size candy bar? I haven't bar thought about this since 1985, so it really... Sure. But which there was nobody was given full size candy out. Nobody in my neighborhood who was a modest middle class again would even ever commit to such a thing. The idea that you're less than if you don't have full size candy bars, or that you're some awesome professional athlete or singer songwriter or a movie star who always mm -hmm. nails the full size Milky Ways or whatever. It's like I hate that. I I think that idea is is classist. I think it speaks down to us. I am totally one hundred percent with Alex. I think uh, more variety, smaller pieces, them all being sort of in that same stratosphere mm -hmm. of size. That's a very exciting and uh, smorgasbord of adventure that we should embrace. Um, Indeed, you want full size. You know, you want more candy. Go to more houses. You know, do the work. Right. Do the work. <laughs> Good. Do the work. Put in the commitment. So I'm right, not, I love it. I, I think that whole I, I think the whole idea is like, who can do that? Who can afford to do that? Those are, you know what sure. a candy bar costs these days? It's, yeah. That's that's I would agree. No, I would agree with you. Uh, I mean, I, ne I never I never gave it. I guess I never thought of it in terms of um, 
you know, of like, well, they give up full size candy bars. That you know, no, I, you I just think full size like candy that. bars. If you experience it as a special thing, I get yeah. that it is. I think, I think that alone is correct. But yeah. it has morphed into a meme. It has taken on some different meaning. And when you think about what the economics are of it, what the mm -hmm. practicality of it is, it it's stupid. And we've it's become a, a small candy versus big candy thing. And I hate that. So I'm with Alex. I you know now that you say that, I remember again. I remember somebody posted uh, uh, you know a screen cap of something from the Nextdoor app, which is supposed to be where neighbors come together. Um, and it was this person chiding all the other neighbors saying, we are a better neighborhood than that. Get your tiny candies out there. Either get the, the you know, the big fun size or do full size candy bars. That's we what are, it's come and to. I'm like, we, oh, yeah, we no, as humanity kind of... have perverted that generosity into something. Ugly oh, see, this and, was supposed to be a, you know. this was supposed to be a fun light hot take segment and I've already brought it down and it's just sad. <laughs> okay. Let's see if I can move. Let's see if I can bring it back. Okay. Um, I like this one. Hey, uh, this is from Hayden Stevens on Twitter. Uh, I believe at Hayden Stevens. The hot take is if you're one of those people who love candy corn, you don't need to dress up for Halloween. You're already a monster. <laughs> I've said this before. <laughs> I like candy corn. What's not to like? I really don't understand. It's it's literally caramel sugar. There's not and, and food color. Yeah, it's there is yeah, nothing color. else yeah. about it. I get that that's just sugar like there really is nothing else about it that's the downside mm -hmm. you eat a handful of those things and you've just shoved caramel sugar into your face yeah and that does things to you that aren't super pleasant so sure it's Have not you... great but i used to like it with dry roasted peanuts in a jar i like them here and there you bite one i like trying to bite the different layers one at a time when you're eating them <laughs> yep have you ever stacked them like and and made a piece of corn out of them no but yeah, I, the point is, it well, you know, okay, you don't like them. Why all the weird hate? I don't understand it. I yeah. don't. I really um, don't. I just loved the phraseology of this one. It yeah, was that, funny. That's a, really great. Aiden wrote a funny thing worth saying, but it, but I've 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 been confronted with candy corn before, and my always <laughs> my response is eh, whatever. I mean, it's yeah. I would say. I mean, I would say it's a. I mean, candy corn though. If you're, um, yeah, I mean. Candy corn is not a a, a give out at Halloween treat no, though. Candy corn is a buy it and have it in a have it and in it, a candy dish at your house. Correct. And um, what's not to like you're about giving that? away? What, what, it's just yeah. the buttermint of the autumn. We just enjoy it. It's not going to hurt you. You have a couple. <laughs> <The> buttermint. <laughs> well, you know what I'm saying. It's that. like we, I know exactly what you're saying. I'm <laughs> <laughs> it's not like buttermints uh, are really yummy yeah. or anything, but they're minty and they're sugary. Mm -hmm. well, fine. And, yep. Um, all right. Uh, last up, this one. Okay, so this one is an actual uh, movie hot take uh, from Kate Duffy on Twitter. Uh, Nightmare Before Christmas is neither a Halloween movie nor is it a Christmas movie. It's a Thanksgiving movie. And here are her uh, her reasons. She's one, she sold me already. She doesn't even need yep. reasons. What well, it takes place primarily in November. Yep. Because you're building up to the mm -hmm. Christmas season. Uh, reason number two, everyone is forced to gather and listen to the patriarch's uncomfortable opinions. That's right. <laughs> That's my favorite. And number three is the moral is being thankful for what you already have. Yeah. I mean, and she, you know, <laughs> um, um, and that brings me so much joy. It's an to, argument to, as to over which kind of movie it is. Of course, it's meant as a, it's meant as a dark 
Christmas movie. That was the intent yeah. of it. Yeah. But I but Thanksgiving needs all the love it can get. And, and if we can, I don't think we can. I love the argument. I love the statement. I agree wholeheartedly. I don't think you can get it on Thanksgiving. I don't think that's going to stick. Yeah. But it, I love the idea. I it's completely support her. Solid crusade. take. Yeah, solid really, really take like is what that one is. Um, all right. Well, uh, dear listener, I hope you have enjoyed this last month's of uh, this last month of shows here. We have uh, had a really great time putting all of the creepiness together. Again, we thank Rob and Michael for oh, yeah. uh, super amazing double feature extravaganza from a few weeks ago. I can't uh, uh, that it, it was super fun. And I really hope that if you haven't listened to it, um, I hope you can get a chance to listen to it because uh, uh, I thought that it was uh, super fun and and everyone kind of really brought their brought. Yeah, their and if you want some one. more super fun, go back last year and listen to the two Stephen King episodes. Those are a blast. Yep. Yep. If you need more of Rob and Michael in your life, that's a great place to start. Um, next week we're doing top five John Casali movies. John Casali is my favorite actor mm-hmm. of all time. Favorite mm-hmm. actor of all time. Put that in a yep. hot take. We're, Joel, yep. uh, and, and how many movies and did he make? Five, five. So yeah, it's, it's going to be a fun, an incredible tribute to one of the coolest people mm-hmm. that ever worked on on a Hollywood set ever. And 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 tune in to hear um, how much, uh, what kind of mood I'm in to see if I want to uh, poke the beast, poke the bear, and and see if uh, if I want to be like, nah, I don't know, he's all right, and just like and <laughs> see if I wind up right. Maybe Joel, Joel will think better of that in the coming weeks. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> he will be appropriately reverent next week. <laughs> Or that's true. Or he will yes, get. Or he, else, will get, he will get my right. Or and, and if and if that's the case, then tune in next week for the final episode. Of- oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, it's gonna be it's gonna be fun. Uh, John Kazai, uh, super spectacular, and and five uh, five really uh, really terrific films. So yeah. yeah uh, so if you want, you know, so if you go ahead, uh, prep yourself. Watch, uh, you know, Google some uh, John Gazali and and watch those films and um and then or just keep week. yourself in the dark. We'll tell it all for you, and then after you can go find and then out more and then you him. can watch it and feel that richness, feel that uh, feel it, let it wash over you, um and um that have that. Uh, but for right now, we are going to get out of this and uh, enjoy our uh, hollow the rest of our Halloween weekend. Um, and because it's Halloween weekend and, and Halloween is on a Sunday, uh, Skull Vikings on a spooky Halloween. And um, and then that is going to do it for us. So I'm going to give you one last little bit of because because we can. And that's going to do it for us, everybody. Take care. I hope you all have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening to The Movie Show with Joel and Ryan. Remember, all views and opinions represented in this podcast are personal and belong solely to the speaker and do not represent those people, institutions, or organizations that the speaker may or may not be associated with, unless explicitly stated. None of these views and opinions were intended to malign or deceive. And now, here's the producers, circa 1982, to play us out.